Hello, this is Anna Marie Boyd, and you are listening to Moved by Grace Counseling Radio. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Anna Boyd, and I'm a licensed professional counselor, a registered drama therapist, a registered yoga teacher, and a PhD candidate in mind-body medicine with a specialization in integrative mental health. My podcast will supply nuggets of information regarding innovative and somatic approaches to mental health and mental health treatment. In just 10 minutes, we talk about things such as creative therapies, neuroscience and play, the mind-body connection, and alternative approaches to psychotherapy. So for this mini season, we have been breaking down the DSM or the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. This is a tool that psychologists and psychiatrists use to formally diagnose disorders. Now this manual has been updated seven times since its first publication in 1952. And as science progresses, so does our collective understanding of the brain and mental health. So as a friendly reminder, this podcast does not take the place of psychiatric treatment, but I like to think about it as a compliment to provide you with psychoeducation to learn from and apply to your own journey. So for today's episode, we are going to be discussing eating disorders and disordered eating behaviors. So like other episodes, this is a topic that cannot be broken down in 10 minutes, but we can start to shed light on the diagnostic criteria for a disorder versus disordered eating patterns. So for legalities, eating disorders are broken down into, my goodness, eight major categories. This is the latest update of the DSM-5 TR, which was published in 2022. It used to only cover three, but again, as science and research grows, so does our collective understanding of these conditions. So the eight categories cover the following. Anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, binge eating disorder, other specified and eating disorder, PICA, rumination disorder, avoidant slash restrictive food intake disorder, unspecified feeding or eating disorder, and other muscle dysphormia and orthorexia nervosa. So those are the criteria. Are those are the different categories that are now uh, listed within the DSM. So I don't want to spend these 10 minutes just listing off the symptoms and criteria. This is something that you can Google on your own, but for the purposes of today's discussion, I want to discuss warning signs for yourself and for others to be curious about. So according to the DSM-5, eating disorders are behavioral conditions that are characterized by severe, severe persistent disturbances in eating behaviors and are associated with distressing thoughts and emotions. So this type of disorder or these eight disorders, right, can affect physical, psychological, and social function. And the eight disorders that I just mentioned, that's the diagnostic criteria for eating disorders. That does not even venture into the area of disordered eating, which is a really gray area. But personally, what I hate the most about these conditions is the fact that they they're usually triggered silently. Um, many, maybe an individual wants to choose to 
take control of their own health, then, you know, it comes from a noble, innocent place and the behaviors start to spiral out of their control, which ironically is the opposite of what they're trying to do in the first place. So eating disorders can cause intense shame and resistance when it comes to trying to speak with clients or loved ones about behaviors that we're concerned about. Individuals sometimes believe that they're trying to quote unquote, do what is best for them. Therefore, there are high levels of what has been defined as treatment resistance. I do want to briefly share some statistics with you just to speak to the prevalence and lethality of these disorders. This is not meant to scare you, but this is meant to raise awareness. These statistics were collected from both NIDA, the National Eating Disorder Association, and ANAD, the National Association of Anorexia Nervosa and Associated Disorders. So according to the latest research, eating disorders affect at least 9% of the population worldwide. Eating disorders are among the deadliest mental illness, second only to opioid overdose. 10,200 deaths each year are the direct result of an eating disorder. That's one death every 52 minutes. That's not diagnose, that's death. About 26% of people with diagnosable eating disorders attempt suicide. And I also wanna shed light on male vulnerability to these disorders. Eating disorders do not discriminate. When our culture thinks about eating disorders, oftentimes we think about teenage girls. Um, But that's, in fact, not the case at all. Um, Males represent 25% of individuals with anorexia nervosa, and they are a higher risk of dying, in part because they're often diagnosed later, since many people just assume the males don't have eating disorders. Subclinical eating disorder behavior, including binge eating, purging, laxative abuse, fasting, are nearly as common among males as they are among females. So I know that this is all really heavy news and it's important information to be aware of. There are some incredible treatment options that are available and research and evidence-based treatments are heavily on the rise, especially given, gosh, you look back 20 years ago and just the accessibility to resources has grown exponentially. So I want to move to the practical. What are some warning signs that you might look out for when it comes to your own susceptibility to an eating disorder or a loved one's? I do wanna make it very clear that not all disordered eating behavior meets criteria for an eating disorder. That said, I still think that patterns lead to increased symptoms, right? So it might be helpful for you to start to challenge your own behaviors, whether or not you're underweight or engaging in harmful behaviors. And these warning signs are going to present completely differently depending on the type or subtype of eating disorder. But these are very generalized concepts just to be thinking about, especially if you already kind of have the spidey sense that there might be something going on. So I'm going to offer five here. Warning sign number one, significant rapid weight changes, dramatic weight loss, or weight gain, noticeable fluctuations in weight. 
Again, there are many factors that can contribute to this, but if you feel like an eating disorder might be a part of this, this is, this is the easiest because it's visible. Warning sign number two, increased irritability or emotional fluctuations. Again, so many factors that can contribute to this, be that a mood disorder or something else that's going on. Um, but this is something to be thinking about, especially when it comes to meal times. Warning sign number three, increased preoccupation around physical appearance, exercise, or food and nutrition. How much time are you thinking about what you're going to order on the menu later when you go out to eat? I mean, this just very obvious sign to be looking for. I mean, for anorexia nervosa too, the more that our body becomes underweight, the more we go into starvation or survival mode and these thoughts can spiral quickly. Warning sign number four, increased isolation or low social bandwidth for social spontaneity. Right, everything is calculated. They start to withdraw from friends and family. Warning sign number five, any new practices with food, fad diets, including cutting out entire food groups. For example, no sugar, no carbs, no dairy, vegetarianism, veganism. Again, these are all personal choices, but this could be a symptom of an eating disorder rather than an ethical decision. So these are baseline warning signs to be aware of. And when it comes to seeking support, I highly recommend psychotherapy for individuals to get an outside perspective of what you're noticing within yourself. Not an easy thing to do, but very, very important. For loved ones, my best advice is if you see something, say something. Your loved one's probably not gonna like hearing your concerns, but you might be speaking to something that they've already been thinking themselves. We want them to know that they're not alone. Additionally, when you are supporting someone going through a potential eating disorder emerging, it is imperative to offer encouragement and compliments that have to do with their character rather than their, rather than their appearance. Do not feed the beast of the disordered thoughts, right? Oh, you've lost so much weight. You look incredible. What are you doing? You're feeding the beast. Instead, shift the focus to who they are to encourage them to feel whole just as they are. Every time I talk to you, I feel like you are a light in the room. You are just so encouraging, and I love that about you. So lastly, highly stressful events like life transitions can trigger the onset of disordered thoughts, offer support to the stress they are experiencing in life rather than the symptoms you've addressed. Again, they may not want to hear it, but you could be making a bigger impact in the long run. We don't want to walk on eggshells. This is a lethal disorder and disease, and we want to show up for our loved ones, even if it's difficult to talk about. Because at the end of the day, we want them healthy. At the end of the day, we want, to feel, we want them to feel supported. So this is something to address and not to shy away from, especially with kids. They may not like it, that is your role. So all of that to say, I know that this has been a ton of information to just throw your way. I do recommend to look up um, the NIDA Foundation in your area. Uh, additionally, 
There are so many resources online with ANAD, the National Association of Anorexia Nervosa and Associated Disorders, support groups, free groups, resources, books, something that if you feel like you are struggling or a loved one is struggling, I feel that it's just as important to do as much research as the disorder is taking up your time. So for example, if I'm thinking about food 10 times a day, I want to be doing research that matches that and goes beyond that. And we really want to target what's happening, whether it's within ourselves or with others, so we can get a better understand on how to maneuver forward. As always, I know that this season's been a little bit different. It's been a lot of informational um, content. I do hope that you're finding it interesting or helpful. Um, If there's a certain diagnostic or diagnostic criteria that you're interested in knowing about, um, feel free to let me know. I'm happy to do an episode on that. And otherwise, if you have questions, thoughts, never hesitate to reach out. I look forward to meeting with you next week. Thank you.